This is Beyond the Couch with Bridges, a podcast at the intersection of Asian Pacific Islander, South Asian American identity and mental health. I'm Christy. I'm Sam. And I'm Diana. We are three therapists who got together in the hopes of demystifying therapy and uplifting stories from our community. Each week, we'll connect with fellow therapists, experts, and community members about life, identity, and healing. We're so glad you're joining us today. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Welcome back to Beyond the Couch with Bridges. I'm Christy. I'm Diana. And I'm Sam. And we have Sam back since last time. (laughs) Got back from your amazing international trip. Do you want to tell us anything about it, Sam? Yeah, I just came back from a two-week trip to Japan, which was really wonderful. I had a really, I had a really nice time. Um, I'm still pretty jet lagged, <laughs> readjusting <laughs> to the 13-hour time difference, but it was great. I, I had gone there once before, almost 10 years ago, so it had been a really long time. Um, but I loved it. I, it's a very, very beautiful country. I had a lot of delicious food. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I was excited. I was excited to come back. By the end of the trip, I was. I was missing my clients and missing, you know, oh, yeah? my daily normal life. Yeah. I definitely feel recharged and, and ready to work again. Hmm. Yeah. When was the last time you had gone on vacation before that? Uh, you know, I was just thinking about this because the last time that I had scheduled time off was over the holidays in the end of December and January. But, you know, my partner and I, we both got COVID. And so we didn't, we canceled all of our travel plans. So we didn't actually oh. go anywhere. <laughs> So oh, it, no. I haven't been on like a vacation away beyond having time off since I think it was uh, late October was when we went, I went to Spain for mm. about a week. Um, oh, but so right. it's, it's been way too long since I had taken a proper vacation and taken some time off. Yeah. 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 I know, Christy, you've been talking about vacations too, right? Because I really think that I need to create the structure around making sure I take time off regularly. And I was thinking maybe like one week per quarter. Does that sound okay? I don't know. Maybe that could work, but yeah, I'm curious to always find out when people have been going on vacation. (laughs) I feel like I need a system like that too, because it's so easy to just let it kind of slide by. And then you realize that you haven't taken any time off in like six months. Um, Yeah. I feel like the structure around it would make it a lot easier, even just to like plan ahead. If you know that you're going to take that time off every, you know, three or four months. Yeah. 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 What about you, Christy? When was the last time? The last time a full vacation was a staycation for the holidays. (laughs) That counts. Which is, which was not really, it was also a lot of dog sitting. So that was not as much as I expected of like the freedom, but Mm. I'll take a little bit of time off when I visit my new nephew in oh, a couple of weeks. So okay. it's not necessarily a vacation, but it'll be a very special time. But then otherwise I'm still itching to to plan something. And I've we've been wanting to go to Japan, Sam. So seeing your trip is so inspiring. It seems like such a relief to just have different visuals. It was so nice. I have so many recommendations for you if you guys go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love to. Uh, how how was it going back into this country where you have this family heritage? Uh, I mean, that was, I think that that's the the nicest part for me personally, because, you know, my family is very Americanized. I'm fourth generation Japanese American. So I maybe felt it a little bit more the first time that I went, but I, I really felt like I learned or maybe understood certain things about my family and the way that they were and why the way that they were by being in Japan, just like things that I noticed mannerism wise or just 
the way that my grandma spoke and sort of the way mm. of her just general being in life um, that felt very Japanese, but I had just never been before. And, you know, we they were part of a small Japanese American community in the Midwest, mostly located around Chicago, but I grew up in New Jersey. So I grew up very separated from that. And I didn't grow up around a lot of other Japanese people or have much of a Japanese American community in my life um, outside of my family. So I, every time I've gone, I felt like I've I've learned a lot and also just learned a lot about the history of the country and sort of what was going on at the time that even led my family to immigrate to the United States um, and things that I just had not known previously. So it was it was a really cool experience in that way, too. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I've been wanting to go back to Korea. I've gone maybe once when I was a kid, but as a child, all you I remember is like it being so hot and humid and waiting around a little bit. And then we got to see some family like out in the countryside away from the city. Mm-hmm. But I think it would be totally different to go back as an adult and then bring my partner there who's never been either, but see it from his eyes too. And yeah, yeah that sounds yeah. like that would be such an amazing experience. Did you both? <laughs> yeah we that's true same area they're yeah. a short flight from each other I think it's really easy to get between the two countries yeah I think that'd be really interesting Ooh, I'm excited for you yeah now it's <laughs> now just like the effort it. you just gotta plan <laughs> it and make it happen yeah um well so we're also back because we wanted to follow up on our earlier episode about the drama triangle and we were talking about how to actually step out of the triangle once you notice that you might be in one. Um, so we didn't want to let that go. So we are referencing the link that we have in the show notes and the, the show description, because it's a really helpful way of understanding the roles and then also what you can shift into to actually shift out of the triangle. So if we need a little refresher, there's the persecutor or the bully role There's the victim who can feel helpless, the victim role, and then the rescuer who might take on a more of like a savior role for the people around them. So where do you all think we should start? We have like some examples of triangles people can easily get into just to kind of color it in a little bit more. Do we want to start with one of those? Yeah, I think examples would be helpful to maybe demonstrate how the roles operate or what they look like. Okay. Yeah, I'll defer to you because I'm learning this along right now with everybody else listening. So, Okay, cool. I might have mentioned a similar one in our previous episode about this, but I think we can just get a little deeper into it because it's so common. I hear this a lot. So let's take, for example, an immigrant family where the parents immigrated, so their first generation, and then two adult siblings who have grown up often helping their parents understand utility bills, legal documents, even business ventures and decisions, kind of being the code switcher, um, the translator for their parents a lot of the time. But now as a successful, productive adults, they are often getting phone calls in the middle of the workday from their parents of, I'm so sorry to ask you this, but can you please look at this utility bill? Or can you please look at this issue? Mm-hmm. And the older sibling groans at the sight of the parent calling them on their phone, but obviously answers and then feels bogged down of like, okay, I got to add this to the list of what I'm going to help my parents with. And I'll have to call 
this utility provider and figure out with customer service, maybe even go over to the parent's home. Uh, but it's too much. So like, sibling, can you help me out with this? And then the sibling, the two siblings kind of go back and forth like, okay, but I helped mom and dad last time. Can you do it? Like, okay, I can do it, but I'm really busy today. So I'm going to get to it later. Maybe we can call mom and see what time she needs it by. What might color in this a bit more is like the emotions of like the groan from the parent, seeing the parents calling, the obligation to feel like they must help out, that there's no choice of of screening their call or answering mm-hmm. later. And then the the two siblings feeling frustrated with each other, kind of like, well, can you just try this time? So I'll pause there, like any or ideas about like what roles might be taking shape here. Yeah, um, this definitely sounds like a really um, common, probably common example for people. But so in this case, it sounds like, you know, the parent calling is the victim, is 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 in the victim role, asking for help, feeling like they can't handle something on their own. And so seeking help from someone else. And then at least the older uh, sibling is the rescuer or savior role, right? Feeling this responsibility to help others and feels that guilt when they don't. And this other sibling, um, hmm. I mean, partially also maybe like feeling like a disgruntled (laughs) savior, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe feeling less connected to that role, but kind of like feeling like a savior to the savior, maybe, or something. Mm-hmm. like to try to be fair, like, okay, try to be a fair sibling, like, yes, you know, it's just a problem we both have to deal with and trying to support in that way. But yeah, can you clarify some more? <laughs> no, I think you're you're reading it right so far. And because it can be a little ambiguous. So even if the parent calls and is like, I'm so sorry to ask you this, then maybe the adult child is like, okay, but I I have to go because I have a call. And then maybe the parent, if they say something like, okay, but I really need you to help me. Can you just do this really quick? It should only take you like a little bit of time, like five minutes. The parent who might originally start off in victim role can also move then into like some version of the bully role too of, okay, but you're supposed to help me or this is, I I can't do it without you. And they kind of emphasize the obligation on the other person to help them. So some ways where the adult child who might be the person listening to the, in this case, to step out of that kind of obligation when there's maybe some guilt either way, either you help your parent and then you feel frustrated or you feel resentful or if like, okay, I can't wait till they just like, give me a break. Or you feel guilty for saying no and feeling like, well, my parents literally do need help. They they can't read these things as easily as I do. Um, they might not be able to converse with the customer service rep as easily as I can. And I could do it in 15 minutes and it might take them the whole day. So if you tend to find yourself in that sort of rescuer role, you might be able to shift more into the feeling of coaching as opposed to rescuing. So coaching might look more like offering clear support without feeling the obligation or the automatic response that you're going to take over what their task is. You can say something like, okay, I know that this is really stressful. This is a real important problem um, and I want to help you or I want to help you figure out ways that you might be able to reach out to them 
or I can help you, but it will have to be at the end of my work day because I'm really distracted by other things. Does that feel okay? I'll pause there. I feel like I'm talking a lot. No, I think that's great. And, and I, one thing with the coach role too, that I like the way that it's laid out in this infographic that we'll share, but is the kind of the emphasis on the empowerment perspective, because in some ways, if you're always rescuing the other person, the person who's in victim role, in some way, you're not empowering them to figure out how to find their own solutions or to have a sense of capability around doing some of the stuff themselves. You know, I'm thinking of a client that I worked with who was often put in this role of translator and sort of assistant with their parents and their parents had lived in the country for over 20 years. And she felt that actually her parents were quite proficient in English at that point. And that in some ways, the sort of continuing to rely on her was partially out of maybe their own um, insecurities around their English, which maybe weren't so grounded in reality anymore in terms of them being able to really be really fluent. And just the kind of habit of being so used to the daughter sort of taking on this role and doing it herself, and that there could have actually been a lot of work around empowering the parents to feel confident enough to at least try or to at least do the first couple steps on their own. And then if they run into problems, then they can reach out for help. And she would feel a little less um, disgruntled about stepping in because there was at least this feeling of, okay, well, there was genuine effort on their end to figure it out initially on their own. And I think sometimes there might even just be an assumption from the rescuer that, like, yeah, they're not able to do it and I have to do it. But, you know, sometimes people are in inadvertently putting their needs on others, but it, out of comfort and familiarity rather than like, you must do this for me. And if, you know, that parent was just doing it thought, you know, without thinking unintentionally, right. And someone said, you know, I'm really busy and, you know, I'm sorry, I can't help you this time. You know, maybe that's like, okay well, you're busy, I can do it, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not such a big deal to that parent after all, in some cases. Yeah, that's a really good point too, Diana. Because some coaching response might actually be, how about we practice what the conversation will be when you call them? And you can figure out what the languaging is, get a little bit more comfortable with the English or whatever difficulty might be there, as opposed to the adult child simply just calling for them because then yeah the parent never gets the experience of learning it on their own and then the cycle of okay well I feel this discomfort I'm gonna call my kid that continues and gets deeper and gets more rote and the roles just stay in what they are as opposed to the parents getting to learn more or the child even seeing like okay my parents can handle some things without me because they already have you know they already have been handling so much Another thing we can often see with this drama triangle, this kind of like hostile dependency, which is kind of what the adult siblings were were talking about earlier in this example. This like hostile dependency basically is like, well, I'm only doing this because you did this. Mm-hmm. Or I I already did this last thing with our parents. Mm-hmm. So like I you got to do this next one. Mm-hmm. Um, which to some degree might be kind of sharing the load. And in other ways, it might be relieving ourselves of our own accountability, our own responsibility to make our own decisions. And that can often lead us to realize we might be occupying the victim role where we feel more helpless or we're telling ourselves that we're more helpless than we actually are. So if this can happen often in between like partners, 
um, romantic partners and in the cycles of fighting of like, well, I'm only yelling because you're not listening to me. And the other person might say, well, I'm not listening because you're yelling. So that like our actions are only a natural result of what the other person is doing as if we don't have control over it. Mm -hmm. Um, So we might naturally find ourselves in the drama triangle roles. And in those cases, there's, I think the easiest way to look at it is what language might be going on in our heads or might actually be coming out of our mouths. If we're focused more on what the other person is doing, we might be really losing track of our end of it. And one way to shift it is to actually say something from the first person. There might be this feeling of like, well, I I can't move away because my family's nearby. So there's, I have to just stay here. And that's very different than saying I'm choosing, even though it's tough, I'm choosing to stay in the city or choosing to stay in the state because I want to be close to my parents. It shifts entirely like the perspective that you're taking as opposed to feeling like, well, I'm just locked into these circumstances Mm -hmm. when you might not actually be. And the, you know, I'm imagining this sort of argument that you're illustrating with, if that's what a couple is fighting about, the energy around the two things feeling so different. You know, if I'm hearing someone say, well, you're saying that you have to stay just because of your family, but what about what you want feels very different than saying, I want to stay because it's important for me to be close to my family or whatever the reason is. Right. That could also be a way of, of asking another person to be more clear or reflective with their language. If, if it feels like you might be blamed for a lot, or it feels like there's an imbalance there of like, can you tell me from your perspective what you would like, as opposed to telling me what I'm doing Mm -hmm. Um, or what the other, what the circumstances, what would you like to do? And there's a lot of power in just, yeah, saying it from your own perspective of, I don't, I don't like this behavior. I don't want this. Yeah, it feels connected to actually some of what I I know you talked about with um, Marion Ferguson around nonviolent communication and some of the stuff around we so often when we are very activated and upset, we may sort of automatically go to like the language of blame. You know, you always, you never without actually offering an alternative of what we would prefer, which in some ways it's much more direct and clear rather than just saying you never do X, Y, Z thing versus saying, you know, I feel, I don't know, exhausted. Can Mm -hmm. you, and then offering up a solution, which I, I feel kind of moves us from, you know, the victim role to moving out of it, which is like the problem solver. So helping us find a solution or stating what we actually want to be different in a clear communicative way so that the other person can then actually do that rather than just feeling blamed or feeling like they are being punished in some way. Yes. And what you're saying requires a bit of like self-reflection. You kind of have to sit with yourself of like, what is the most important thing in the situation that I want or need? And it asks more of us than simply saying, ah, well, they're doing, they're always do this, roll your eyes and just kind of go along with it. If you are upset or resentful or need something to shift, it's most helpful when you have a clear idea of what would give you that Um, So that you can clearly, calmly express it to the other people and you not reacting, but actually sitting with what's important to you in itself can pull you out of the triangle where you are kind of shifting from reacting to responding and allowing your 
grounded needs or grounded preferences to guide you as opposed to the emotion in the moment of just pushing the stress back onto the, the other person. Yeah, I feel like that touches on such an important part of the drama triangle, which is that it's centered around the idea of drama, like perpetuating drama within a dynamic. And I do find that so often in arguments, it's we feel more focused maybe on the hurt, like the emotional aspect, than what the actual solution or the real problem is. You know, a, a client just said to me the other day, talking about a fight that they had gotten into with someone in their life around, well, I could do this thing, but ultimately I actually lose if I hang on to just being upset and punishing the person. I'm not getting what I want. We're extending the the content of our argument and we're not finding resolution. And we're we're just going to be kind of stuck in this place. And it's it's about the emotional drama more than about finding an actual solution to the problem or finding our way out of it. And And it does take a lot of reflection and insight and being able to really kind of challenge maybe some of our own feelings in that moment and ask ourselves, is it more important to to find a way out of this and to step out of the drama triangle than maybe continuing to nurse some of my own hurt feelings within it? I imagine it also takes a lot of practicing, maybe unsuccessful <laughs> attempts at like pausing or even in a less activated time thinking about like, okay, the next time this happens, because it will, how do I want to respond? What's what's a script I can practice now that will feel easier to say in that moment when I have that choice to make again? Right. Yeah. These yeah. three roles, they're dependent on each other. And so mm -hmm. if you're, you find yourself in the triangle, what are you doing to actually hold it up instead of step out of it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we mentioned this last time, but if you're early in this work, starting off by just noticing where you are and then even just sort of thinking like Diana said about what might I have done differently, even if we don't feel ready to actually try it and do something different, starting to sort of visualize, well, what would be another option? If I were to step into the role of challenger, what would that look like for me? Even if I don't feel ready to actually do it yet. Great note to end on. I know we have to wrap up for today, but um, this will continue to come up and all of our all of our chats, I'm sure. So we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Beyond the Couch. Tune in every Wednesday, rate or review us to help grow our community and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. We'd love to hear from you. So connect with us on Instagram at Bridges Mental Health. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>